Today's podcast is brought to you by Elenco Animal Health and Kelly's Finance. Hello, I'm Kerry Lunigan. Welcome to The Weekly Grill. And today's guest has the most remarkable CV. I hardly know where to begin. So I'll let her tell the story and I'll start by saying, Dr. Tracy Sullivan, welcome to Beef Central. Thank you, Kerry. Now, your early days, Tracy, I'm told there was a, a lot of travel between Perth and Switzerland. That sounds rather exotic. How, how did that take place? Oh, yeah, yes, I grew up. I spent my primary school years in, in Switzerland with a bit of travel actually over to Ireland. My mum's Irish and um, they had a farm in Ireland, so I spent a bit of time there and coming back to back to Perth where my, where my father's from, yes. So you went to high school in Perth? Yes, I went to high school in Perth and uni, yeah, vet school at Murdoch. Oh, right, and okay. And then you looked like you were going to have a career flipping burgers at the uh, roadhouse near Kununurra. How did that work out? <laughs> yes, I did have a gap year um, in Kununurra and, yeah, loved the north of Australia. But, yeah, went back to, to follow my dreams of becoming a vet and finished my, finished my vet degree in Perth and then worked a bit around Perth and then back up to Port Hedland. Ended up in Darwin for a couple of years, which I really enjoyed as well. Great place, isn't it? Now, you ended up in southern Queensland as well. How did you get there? Yes, well, I was I was really primarily a, a small animal vet um, for those early years of my career. And I you know, embarked on a master's of small animal vet medicine and surgery. And I really, really enjoyed the small animal side. And then um, I actually met my ex-husband in Darwin. And um, together we decided to, to become cattle farmers. And we bought a beef and cereal farm with the help of my parents and Cura at the time down in Bungunya in Queensland. And yeah, that, that turned my career over to become cattle focused and really started my love of the, of the whole beef industry. And But one at one stage, to stage I understand you, your aim was to work on the eradication of feral cats, is that right? Well, yes, that was as, as a teenager when I was, yeah, in my early 20s too, yeah, going through uni, yes, I did, I did plan on um, eradicating feral they, cats. They are and a dreadful, dreadful problem out west, aren't they? Underestimated, I think. Yes, yes, indeed. So it seems that you never had in your sights to settle down in urban Australia and spend your life neutering cats and dogs? No, no. I, I, look, I, I, would, I would never go back to live in a city now. I yeah, really enjoy the rural lifestyle and love working with production animals. So you wouldn't, it appears to me that you've hardly stopped studying since you were at school. In southern Queensland, you continued to study, mostly by correspondence, I suppose, was that it? Well, I was only 100 k's out of Gundawindi, and at the time, the University of Queensland had had a vet school at Gundawindi, the pastoral veterinary college there. So I travelled into there and, yeah, completed a PhD looking at fetal programming in cattle and worked out of their, their vet school there and that's where I developed my semen skills because they had a semen lab based at the UQ branch there and I fell into semen morphology. And you did a master's in vet science and, and if that was, wasn't enough, you studied to do a PhD. What was your thesis for your PhD? It was, it was called um, fetal programming in the bovine, which really meant that we just fed different levels of protein and energy to some heifers while they were pregnant with calms. And then um, with my uh, fellow veterinary PhD student, Gina Mickey, we looked at basically everything, all the outcomes in the calves and in the heifers 
from those um, early stages of feeding different different levels of protein and energy. So, yeah, there were considerable outcomes and um, lots of papers published, and it was pretty exciting advances in research. I can imagine. Let's go back a step. Uh, was it? Did this happen in Darwin? Because I'm just checking my notes here. You were one of the first vets in the world to successfully treat a dog for a uh, lung condition broadly known as bullous emphysema. Is that where? Is that correct? <laughs> yes, yes, and that was quite some time ago. Um, the, the, the great opportunities of, of being a vet in rural areas is that you don't have um, all, all these you know, experts that you can refer cases to. So you've got to take on some of these pretty unique and amazing surgeries yourself. So oh, I was lucky that I encountered this rare disease in this really, really amazingly tough little staffy dog. And I got a chance to um, try my hand at surgically correcting this lung disease. And and he ended up being the first dog in the world to survive. So uh, It's like lung cancer, I guess, for a dog, is it? Well, he, he, he was a, a terminal lung disease and I did have to get chop out a little bit of his lung lobe and stitch him up. And, yeah, he was an amazingly tough dog. And, but yeah, I was very lucky to have had the opportunity. So, yeah, so, 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 so we, made, we made world news. Well, <laughs> no, I think that uh, sounds fantastic. Look, you, we're in southeast Queensland. How did you get back to Broome or Western Australia, period? Well, I mean, what made you shift back there? Was it uh, the home ties drawing you or something else? Oh, look, it, it, it partly was. But, um, you know, life was a little bit crazy. We were... We were ended up at, at um, with a property at Mooney, and um, you know, was working that busy working that while my ex-husband was working off farm and three young kids and a semen business and a vet business, and then um, the, the kids got to the age where they would have had to start going to boarding school. So we decided for a bit of a sea change to move with the kids to to Broome, and yeah, yeah, we're still here. So that was about. Four and a half years ago, yeah. Wow. So, so you're academically enhanced, can I say? Why not a serious research role in the usual places, say university, or CSIRO, even overseas, maybe a big corporation? But you said no, broom for me. Why broom? Oh, look, I, look, I, I love the North Australia and I'm yeah, obviously very passionate about the, the beef industry and I like to keep my hands on. You know, I am lucky that I learn best through the formal education process. So I, I see continuing to study the same way as, you know, some ways I go to the gym to keep fit or walk the dogs to maintain my sanity. So, yeah, I just collect more letters after my name, really, just a reflection of how old I am rather than of any <laughs> academic prowess. I think it's a measure of your accomplishments, but be that as it may. You established a business called Australian Veterinary Semen Morphology. Was that where you got the start? Why would you build a sophisticated laboratory like that in Broome? Why wouldn't you think about it and do it in the heart of cattle, big cattle country in the east or something like that? Pretty big cattle country up here. No, I had I had started it in Queensland, so um, I started that after the, the Gundawindi Castle Vet Centre shut down, and um, I yeah had started it when we were in Bungunya, and yeah moved it to Mooney, and now yeah I've moved it to moved it to, to Broome, and um, yeah I've also taken on the distributorship for, for ice firm, so we also look at some um, semen motility assessment crash side, so yeah that's. Yeah, pretty so you've got this uh, sophisticated laboratory uh, semen testing. What what actually does it prove or disprove? Primarily, um, I, I assess bull semen, um, a small amount of stallion, boar, ram, and dog semen as well. But but primarily focuses on bull semen just to really um, check out the fertility of the bulls and their ability to get get cows pregnant and pass on 
high fertility values. Now, you never seem to stop, Tracy. The more I read, the more you're doing. I want to talk now about an extraordinary project you're involved with called Immune Ready. So what, what, is, what does Immune Ready mean? What, what's it about? So Immune Ready has been a, a collaboration with the pharmaceutical industries and peak industry councils trying to get some general guidelines for sale cattle in Australia. It was designed around its use in conjunction with the National Cattle Health Declaration so that um, producers can be can be accountable for the vaccination status of the animals that they sell and so that buyers you know, can buy with confidence and see how these cattle fit into their biosecurity plans. So that's the general guidelines for the different classes of cattle across Australia um, on to, to what vaccinations that they should be using. And it also looks at different geographical areas in conjunction with Animal Health Australia's NAMP maps as to some of the diseases that are more at risk in different areas, such as such as your three days. So you want a coordinated veterinary approach to all these diseases or the possible diseases that cattle might be facing? Yes, yeah, they're, they're guidelines to, to, look at, to look at the risk basis, yes. Time for a break from uh, On The Grill. Back in a moment after this quick message from our sponsor. Akatak Duo Star from Alanco provides knockdown and residual control of cattle ticks and ivermectin sensitive parasites. Applied early in the season, Akatak Duo Star reduces the buildup of the tick population and helps to prolong the life of effective chemistry. Give ticks and worms the flick with Akatak Duo Star. Always read and follow the label directions and ensure good agricultural practice for optimal parasite control. You're on the grill with uh, Beef Central. I guess today, Dr. Tracy Sullivan. Let's talk about the vet business uh, generally. Uh, you're the first ever female president of the Cattle Vets Association. Um, I am the current president of the Australian Cattle Vets, yes, but no, no, I'm not the first. There there have been um, three other females before me, so yes. Oh, really? Right now. We, we are making our mark in the, in the cattle vet industry. I'm sure you are. Is uh, your association concerned, like others, about vet numbers, especially vets prepared to work with um, big animals, usually in tough, isolated conditions? Yes, rural vet shortage is an important issue facing the veterinary profession, particularly for cattle vets. Um, being a being a cattle vet in clinical practice is really hard work. You know, physically and mentally, you work long days and you're travelling long distances. And unlike our small animal city colleagues, we can't simply turn the phones off to an after-hour service at the end of the day. Yeah. And veterinarians, you know, we're not well-paid professionals. And, and often new vets can walk out of uni with a hex debt over $150,000, but yet only be taking $50,000, you know, home in their hand a year. So, yeah, there is a big disparity between, yeah, income and the hex debt. So, so, you know, one of ABA's, you know, policies has been to appeal to the government to try to instigate it like a rural hex bonding program for, for vets, similar to, uh, to the medical professionals. So we're part of uh, their hex debts will be, will be waived in return for service in rural areas. There's a bit of chatter about uh, preg testing, Tracy, still a major part of vets' income though, I suppose, is it? Well, look, yeah, you know, as I said before, vets aren't well-paid professionals. And, and, and prep testing and bull testing in the regional areas is our bread and butter. So we have that industry pushed to deregulate preg testing and this has left vets 
with you know let the less financially rewarding emergency and after hours work. So this sort of solves the rule of veterinary shortage, unfortunately. The ACB, we, we are sort of fighting back, though, by promoting our PregCheck scheme. And the PregCheck check scheme makes vets accountable for the pregnancy diagnosis results. And the point of difference really is their ability to also diagnose reproductive diseases or other abnormalities at, at the time of pregnancy testing. Yes, I know what you mean. Is there an industry standard for the accuracy of preg testing? Yes, yep. So ACB um, accredits, um, uses a PregCheck accreditation scheme where we test vets um, they have to have done a, a minimal number per head, and then they get assessed by um, PregCheck examiners, and they have to be within so many weeks of diagnosis of, of fetal ageing. They have to be able to pick up diseased um, uterus, and yes, they have to they have to pass a pass a practical and a written exam. We then we have just launching a digital PregCheck website where vets can now. Um, well, very shortly, we'll be able to link their individual animal EIDs with the pregnancy status, and that's going to be in a nationally recognised format. So it'll just make make these make the pregnancy status accountable and, and traceable through the yeah. sale process when when they've used the PregCheck um, PregCheck scheme. Yeah, is um is lay preg testing allowed in any state? It's been a pretty difficult thing to check at the moment. Yes, yes, no, there are um, definitely, each state is slightly different in in their requirements for pregnancy diagnosis. So, yes, some states allow lay pregnancy, as other states are currently reviewing um, pregnancy status um, testing. And, yeah, some states are looking at introducing different different accreditation schemes for, for lay pregnancy. We need more vets, obviously. What's one thing that could be done by governments, either state or federal, to encourage more young people to uh, study veterinary science at university? Look, look, I do think the HEX, the Rural HEX bonding program is, is probably a, a big help. Um, if we can get these, these young vets coming in, knowing that they're not going to be coming out with a huge debt. And and, and once these, these young people enter our rural Industries in our rural communities, we often find that they, they don't want to head back to cities because they love the love the lifestyle. But but it obviously is very daunting when they come come out with um, huge expectations and very little money and, and a big debt. So we want to we want the government to help reduce that big hex debt. Yes, the m- most vets I know are much much older than the uh, average worker in uh, rural Australia. It's uh, it's a it's an emerging problem, isn't it? The the lack of uh veterinary kids who are people who want to go to uh, rural Australia and work with big animals. Yes, yeah, indeed. And that, that is, you know, across the industry, trying to engage youth, you know, across the industry as well. Now, there's a lot of lotions, uh, creams, pills, doses, injections, etc., in treatment by a vet. Do you get offered incentives to use certain products by the big vet companies as it happens in the, in the regular human uh, doctor industry? Oh, look, look, there can be different rebates and they're, um, yeah, all, all structured through the wholesalers yeah. and different pharmaceutical comp- companies that have different models. Yeah. For, for, for I guess it's probably through the animal industry as it is through the treatment of humans. It's uh, it's most doctors get offered, et cetera, et cetera, don't they? Yeah, indeed. Time for a brief message from our sponsor, Kelly's Finance. Established since 1988, Kelly's Finance Group have the finance solutions when it comes to agribusiness lending, from property loans and livestock funding to machinery and vehicle finance. They are the experts in arranging finance on behalf of their clients 
that not only ensures market-leading interest rates, but more importantly, financing that is suited to your agricultural operations, not your lender's bottom line or their preferred security position. With access to an array of specialist and traditional finance providers, there's no job too big or too small for the Kelly's Finance Group team. Contact Kelly's Finance Group today for an independent and confidential discussion and how we can add value to your business moving forward. Welcome back. I'm talking to Dr. Tracy Sullivan. Now, Tracy, you're still a young person. You've got ambitions about what you want to further study or what you want to further do in your in your career. Well, I'm currently studying a grad cert actually in Aboriginal studies through the Notre Dame University here in Broome. Um, so I've just completed my first semester. Yeah, it was my first ever arts unit, and yeah, learning a lot and and really enjoying it. And you're involved in industry organisations as well. Yes, yes, I am. I'm um, on the policy council for Cattle Council of Australia. And yes, I've recently also um, yeah just taken a board position with the Yarrow Holdings Board. So that's a really, really exciting opportunity as the Yarrow people of of Broome have um, taken back the ownership of Roback Train Station from the ILSD. And yeah, really exciting time here with... um, Robot Plain Station running a traineeship program for the Aboriginal youth to develop their careers in the beef industry as well. Tracy, you're super smart, so I must uh, must ask you to imagine that I've just appointed you the Ag Minister for Australia. What's the first thing you would do to help regional and rural Australia and primary producers in particular? <laughs> well, I'd definitely, um, definitely push our um, veterinary rural bonding scheme and try to increase veterinary involvement in the in the beef industry. Dr. Tracy Sullivan, you are a superstar. Good luck with the Abune Ready program. That sounds a bottler. It's a wonderful privilege to have you on Beef Central. Thank you for talking. Thank you very much, Kerry. And thank you for joining me today. Until next time, I'm Kerry Lonigan, and this is the Weekly Grill brought to you by Alenco Animal Health and the Kelly's Finance Group. (laughs) 